Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is The Sharp Edge, a sports conversation for the sports betting world. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. Featuring legendary handicapper Brandon Lang. How much that do-re may be for? And Scott Seidenberg. The Spartos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. This is The Sharp Edge. And welcome into another edition of The Sharp Edge, the sports betting podcast for you, the sports fans. I'm Scott Seidenberg, joined as always by legendary handicapper Brandon Lang and a new special guest, special co-host, a new addition to the podcast we will introduce in just a minute. But let me remind you guys, if you enjoy the content, which I'm sure you do, if we help you win money, which I'm sure we do, then do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button, give us a rating or a review on your Google Play, iTunes Store, wherever you get your podcast from. It goes a long way to helping us out, and it also ensures that you get the latest episode of The Sharp Edge downloaded right to your device as soon as we publish it. So do us a favor and hit the subscribe button. All right, so without further ado, let's welcome in the newest addition to The Sharp Edge. Of course, you have seen her on DirecTV's Fantasy Zone. You know the face. Now let's get to know the voice a little more she is Erin Coscarelli Erin welcome gentlemen how are you it's uh, great to join the show it's been a lot of fun listening to you um and I'm excited to be part of it so thanks for having me today well I'm not sure that you're going to be too excited after Brandon goes off on one of his my two cents rants because each and every week it seems like someone is pissing off Brandon Lang a little more and more right B Lang Uh oh well all I'm going to say is in the business of sports handicapping, you get on rolls when you're spent 30 years picking games. And so to have Baylor on Saturday is my best bet. And then to have Atlanta on Sunday in a 29-3 laugher going into Monday, I said after we threw two picks, three picks against the Raiders, I would never use him again. I would never lose money with him again. And I'm looking at the Chiefs game and I'm looking at the Chargers and it's a must win. I can't pass up the six and a half points and watch him implode into him. You're talking Philip Rivers, right? His, yes, Philip Rivers to watch him implode and watch him cost his team another win. I went on Facebook and I proceeded to post this. I hate him. All my Christian friends out there, pray for me. Pray God takes the hate away that I have for Philip Rivers. I don't know if it's going to do much good. But that man has officially cost me more money in my career as a sports handicapper than any other player other than Steve McNair. We all know how McNair's life ended, and I'm so warped in the head that I actually found some sense of satisfaction on how Steve McNair died. That is what 30 years of handicapping these professional athletes will do to a man who sits back and watches one player cost his team and my clients to win. Phillips Rivers was so bad tonight against the Chiefs that I was – somebody would have whacked his ass over the head with the helmet a few times retire as soon as possible go be a dad to your eight kids and make sure you teach them how to completely nine. soak under pressure nine okay nine because you will always be the guy who does that choker 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 good riddance you dick that will be the last time you ever cost me money in my career and I followed that up with a couple of nice college basketball winners the last two days. So we're still on an absolute tear. But it would be so nice to come on this podcast with six straight winning days going for seven 
and and not have Philip Rivers. Uh, we know where we're going with that. So I feel good. It was a, it was a very good therapy session for me. And uh, now that I got that off my chest, I it, I feel good. Do you feel good? I feel great. I think we're in a safe space here. We're in a safe space here. And if you need any help, we are here for you. That's I know, all I'm going to say. I thought we were in the I thought we were in the nest, the tree, the tree of trust. <laughs> Oh, Aaron, please tell me you didn't have the the, the, the the LA Chargers on that game. I mean, it's it's hard to watch implosion come from Philip Rivers because you can only watch him say "doggone it" and "bull shanky" so many times before losing some faith in in Phil because. It just seems like this is the theory that happens. It's like every single time the Chargers come close, they have this gut-wrenching loss or some something happens to the team where it just kind of falls apart or a kicker misses the damn last-second kick. It is hard. I, I do agree to some extent, uh, not entirely with Brandon's rant, but it is definitely frustrating when you have the playmakers the running backs, the Austin Eckler, who can make amazing catches down the field and yet get stumped the way they got stumped um, this past week. And, yeah, it's frustrating because they're a great team, so you kind of give them the edge, um, and the talent is there. And the defense is there. I interviewed Joey Bosa not that long ago, and, you know, you just – you assume that that defense is able to, to make things happen and carry the team, but um, Philip Rivers, being Philip Rivers with his uh, love for turning the ball over, um, can can make Brandon very upset. Apparently, at least they I, had a lot of fans there. Yeah, would, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind, I don't mind losing a game. I, I don't. I, I, I would rather lose a game where I'm on the wrong side. I lose. You know, perfect example. Um, I thought I thought Northwestern plus the points over Ohio State at home. Time to prepare. Northwestern home dog. I like the mm-hmm. I, I like the play, and uh, it was arguably one of the worst calls of the year. Can handle that. Go to bed. Bad call. Don't lose any sleep. God, I suck. Um, I can handle that. But the three things that drive me crazy are penalties, losing a game with penalties, turnovers. And coaching stupidity. Those two th- three things, and they rear their ugly head on a consistent basis. I hate being on the right side and having turnovers cost me a win, especially when the entire public and the entire betting world was on the Kansas City Chiefs Monday night. I have a good friend of mine, the number one bookmaker in the state of Kentucky. He's a monster. He had 90% KC money wow. and got, got clocked because. I've always learned get on the opposite side, and the public got so lucky on Monday night, and that just pisses me off. But you know what? Well, all oh, week, scary. Brandon. Brandon, all week, yeah. Sharps got crushed, and the books got crushed. It was a massive public week last week. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but to come out of it with a winning week uh, on the website, brandling.com, and and to uh, to put up a couple of obscure college basketball winners with Stephen S. Austin last night, and. Um, uh, I like what I'm seeing on on the board this week. So let's dive into some games and let's see if our uh, our counterparts got a couple winners for us as well, and and kind of kind of guide us through what we're doing here. 
looking at you look at you digging deep with the Stephen f austin play i love that you're so you're such a such a dog uh let's get into college football we'll start with the biggest game of the week and it's at noon it's the big noon kickoff between ohio state and penn state and it's a big spread guys it is a huge number of 18 and a half but i will say this okay this is what uh ralph michaels pointed this out on twitter earlier that when a top ranked team is of getting 17 and a half points it's only happened 20 times the underdog one in 19 straight up 5 13 and 2 against the spread do we really feel ohio state's going to cover this number give me that number again it didn't so make 20 sense. 20 times here we go since 2007 only 20 okay. times in the regular season from week number six on has a ranked team been an underdog of 17 or more points And in those occasions, that underdog getting 17 or more points, one and 19 straight up in those games, five, 13, and two against the spread. That will tell you that Ohio State's covering. How many times straight up? One win and 19 losses. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Listen, I used Ohio State over Wisconsin for my life a few weeks ago in in a torrential downpour. The rain didn't scare me. And it was a coming out party for Chase Young. Ohio State won the game 38-7. The only score Wisconsin got was off a shanked or partially blocked punt that set Wisconsin up on a short field to start the third quarter. Um, Final score 38-7. That was a Wisconsin defense that was ranked uh, number one overall. And they got destroyed. Watching Penn State going to Minnesota, give up 31, lose to to P.J. Fleck and row in the boat. I believe it's a trap. They're begging you to take Penn State. I'm not sold on the quarterback of Penn State. Um, watched him at Minnesota. Chase Young set out last week. This 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 could get ugly early. And if they're forced to play from behind, which I think they're going to be, and you're asking that kid against this Ohio State defense, he's going to make mistakes. I don't think Penn State's good enough. They struggled at Iowa in a game they probably should have lost. They struggled at home against Pitt in a game they could have very easily lost. They lost to Minnesota, and Indiana went up and down the field on them last week. If you couldn't stop Indiana and Happy Valley, I don't see how you're going to stop Ohio State. I got Ohio State scoring over 40 in the game. I don't see Penn State getting to 20, and I will lose with the Buckeyes before I take a shot with. You good with the you good with maybe a first half play on Ohio State if it's let's say it's right now it's 10 and a half. You think if we get it at 10, you would take Ohio State first half? Yeah, I just I would wait until Saturday morning simply because right now it's thirty. The predicted weather's thirty-two degrees and rainy. Uh, that rain kind of dies a little bit. I love I love Ohio State in the first half. Um, make sure we check weather Saturday morning. All right, Aaron, this is a game that you're very familiar with. It's the Battle of Los Angeles, USC, UCLA. The Trojans find themselves ranked once again, number 23 in the nation, laying 14 points at home. I'm sure you've been to this game before. Any difference, the fact that it's in the Coliseum as opposed to at the Rose Bowl? That's a great question. Um, First of all, let me just preface what it is like when we have this game against UCLA. All of Los Angeles is is in an uproar of rivalry. And it's a lot of fun, especially having the game at the Coliseum as a former Trojan. I prefer the Coliseum as opposed to the Rose Bowl, even though I grew up in Pasadena. Um, but let me tell you something. 
It does not matter heading into the game who has the better record, who has the better players, or who has the better coaching. Because it is a rivalry game as big as this, everything is on the line. So energy is high. And yes, I definitely think because the game is at home, if we get a performance out of Slovis, like we saw that butt kicking he put on Cal last week, I say USC actually does cover. Um, I don't say that confidently, but like I said, if we get from Slovis that type of performance, which we've seen from him, um, I do think that the U.S., you know, the Trojans do have the potential to put up over two touchdowns against UCLA. I'm not saying Brandon, this bias she, she said we a lot. She's such a homer. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, when you're as good looking as she is, and, and if I'm going to bring somebody on our podcast, they're, they're, they're going to be hot. You can stop. That's, that's why I'm here. Being in, just being included in, in we could mean we as in USC, could mean we as, uh, as us on the podcast. Um, absolutely love it. What scares me in this one is Todd Helton. I call him Todd because of Colorado Rockies player. Helton, 5-10 and 10 against the number his last 15 as a home chalk. That scares me. Um, coaches who don't normally cover double digits, asking them to cover double digits in a rivalry game. And although UCLA is just a, a, literally um, one in nine, their last 10 at the Coliseum, they have covered the last three in this series. So I could potentially see a backdoor. And, and, and Aaron, let's be honest, if Cal's starting quarterback doesn't get hurt, mm. USC is in a ball game. I turned that game on in the third quarter, not knowing that the starter for Cal had been knocked out and the score was 10-10. And mm-hmm. I turned the game on, and I mm-hmm. see USC score. And I see this quarterback for Cal, not knowing the starter, because I haven't watched Cal play all year. And I'm like, oh, my God, this team sucks. They're horrible. How did they – how in the world did they win games? So I text, him, I text Braun, who's at USC, and I'm like, dude, this Cal – he goes, no, no, and then Braun let me know – that the Cal starting quarterback, who's 4-0, got hurt in the back mm-hmm. of like 1-5, and five, and that's all she wrote. So um, I always say double digits in a rivalry game, you can't go wrong. I, I most certainly see where it's coming from, that if it gets out of hand and UCLA's got to play from behind, it could be a, a, a Utah-type shellacking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, Helton just doesn't have a good history of covering double digits. Are you worried about this week being a trap week for certain teams, Brandon, because next week you have, I know it's, you have the rivalry this week, USC and UCLA, but next week's real rivalry week for a lot of these teams and a lot of big games. Like look at Michigan, Michigan's got to take on Ohio state next week. And they have Indiana in, in Indiana this week. They're laying nine and a half on the road. It just would seem like that's a trap situation for them because they're thinking ahead about the Buckeyes. Well, now you're in my neck of the woods with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. I will tell you this. I was on Indiana last week, plus the points over Penn State. I, I like this football team, um, and, and they've played competitive all year long. I like them at home in this situation to catch Michigan looking ahead. Uh, impressive second half by Michigan over Michigan State last week. Um, but I, I like Indiana, plus the points in this one at home, getting more than a touchdown. 
What about Baylor coming off that loss? You and I both were on Baylor, and and I'll I'll admit, and Aaron, I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted out very positive things about Baylor when they were up twenty eight to three. But I should have learned my lesson from the Super Bowl with the Patriots and the Falcons that you don't gloat when you're up twenty eight three because you could lose a game, and that's exactly <laughs> what Baylor did. They still covered, and what we always say in the sports betting world is good teams win, great teams cover. But, Brandon, is this a, a, a letdown spot after the heartbreak of last week? They got to bounce back and try to remain in that race to get to the Big 12 title game. Could they be upset by Texas here? Yeah, they can. Uh, I saw it coming. I've listened. One of the baddest beats I ever had was Oregon over TCU in the bowl game a couple years back. I'm up 31 nothing at the half lane, six and a half. At the end of the second quarter, I lose my starting center and my starting quarterback. So I got a backup center and a backup quarterback. So essentially, the backup center couldn't snap it to the backup quarterback in the shotgun. Three third quarter turnovers later, my 31 nothing is all of a sudden 31 17. Well, I don't need to tell you what happens. My 31 nothing laying six and a half at the half becomes a 40, 48, 41 overtime loss by seven. So that's the baddest beat I've ever had. I was sit, staring at the TV, watching the fourth quarter unfold. Once once Oklahoma got it to 28-10, the next possession, Baylor's running back breaks through a 30-yard gain down to the Oklahoma 40. That's going to be a touchdown game over. And he gets stripped and fumbled from behind, yep. gave it right yep. back to Oklahoma. They go down to score again. Now you're 30 now you're 28-24, 31-24. It was it was now you're just holding on for dear life that Oklahoma doesn't win the game by 14. And think and, about uh, the Jalen Hurts fumble. Think about Jalen Hurts getting stripped at the goal line. Oklahoma right, should have won that, that game easily. Yes, if he if he doesn't get stripped going in, because that took another three and a half minutes off the clock, um, Oklahoma probably covers that game and you get beat being up 28-3. So, um, I, I, listen, Tom Herman, 15-4 and four his last 19 as an underdog, as a coach. Um I, I tend to think you have to play Texas. I mean, Aaron, you, you can attest to this. We're, we're dealing with college kids. We're not dealing with, with, with NFL players who tough loss on Sunday, you're in on Monday at your job, refocus. It's about this week's opponent. College kids, man, if you're Baylor, you're undefeated. You should have won that game. And now you got to pick yourself back up. Listen, Matt Rule can say all he wants about the fact that if we win out where we get a rematch in the Big 12 championship game. But there's something to be said about being undefeated and losing a game like that at home, especially when you're kids. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's the other thing, too, is you're right, uh, Brandon. I feel like um, NFL takes a little bit of the emotion out. And with younger kids that are playing at the collegiate level, they play more with heart. So you're going to definitely see more of an emotional roller coaster. Um, as opposed to the professional level that you would see, you know, in the NFL game, for sure. That's that's a that's an interesting point. Let me jump on another game here on, on the college schedule. Uh, Brandon, last week, Navy was the worst play I've made all season. Um, but like you said, sometimes you, you're, you're on the wrong side and you lose and you get blown out. You don't even have to sweat it. I'll take a no sweat loss just like a no sweat win. I didn't even have to watch that game after the first quarter. I just accepted the loss and I moved on. How is this team now laying three and a half at home? against an SMU squad that can score at will. I just don't understand it. I know there's rain scheduled in the forecast, but to me, it just seems like SMU can do exactly what Notre Dame did to them last week. Well, when you when you get me a two-point conversion to get me a push on one of my biggest plays of the year, I'm a fan of you as a team. And that'd be an SMU over Memphis. Yep. Uh, I think the, the, the bubble burst 
for, for Navy. They had covered 10 of the last 12 in South Bend. A lot of people were on Navy. We talked about them on the podcast. We said that they, they were probably the right side of the game. Um, Navy literally had beaten and won and covered five straight against them until last year when they got beat 21-20 at SMU, which kind of a turnaround. I definitely think SMU is the right side of the game. Um, but, I, but again, weather, option, um, I feel like I've dipped my toe in the deep end with SMU and got a nice push. I'll probably stay away, uh, stay away from it. Um, for me, the other game that I like and I want to talk about is Texas A&M and Georgia. Um, I've said it before, a nice win by Georgia last week. Didn't think they could go in there and, and get the job done against Auburn. But I think the difference here is um, Kelly Mond is not Bo Nix. And I think that's your difference. This is still a Georgia team that lost to South Carolina. And, I, you know, Aaron, I brought up last week on the podcast, I watched Appalachian State beat South Carolina. And I'm saying to myself, how on God's planet did South Carolina go into Athens and mm. beat Georgia? And now you've got a mobile quarterback that does some things with his feet, an offensive uh, kind of game plan. And, and, and Jimbo Fisher is an underdog. Um, as always – uh, been a moneymaker. I listen, I like Texas A&M plus the double digits uh, over Georgia this week. That's not a bad call. Uh, I kind of like that play. Um, I actually do kind of like that a lot now that I think more about it. Uh, the one final one that I'll throw out there, uh, this Utah team is on a roll and I know it's a huge number on the road, but they just covered a huge number on the road last week. I think Utah and Oregon are clearly on a collision course in that Pac-12 title game. I think Utah's going to beat Oregon in that Pac-12 title game, and Utah will have the biggest argument over Alabama to get into the college football playoff as that number four team because their only loss of the year was to a USC team. Yeah, Aaron, keep celebrating that uh, Zach Moss, their best player, their running back, was injured and didn't play uh, in that game. So I think Utah can easily go into Arizona and blow out the Wildcats on Saturday night. Well, Aaron, I defer to you from the standpoint of did you see the Utah-USC game? Yes. Um, And as much as it pains me to uh, not necessarily root for another Pac-12 team, but give another Pac-12 team um, props, uh, they, you know, they have won six straight. They are clearly a dominant team in the Pac-12. They deserve the respect. And like you said, um, I think they could go into Arizona and put a butt whooping on the Wildcats Saturday night. I mean, that's not hard to, 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 to predict. I feel like, although it, you know, it will be um, a tough opponent. I say they handle the Wildcats pretty, pretty cool. Now who does Utah, who does Utah have left? They have, they have this week in Arizona and they have this week and that, then, and, and then their final game is against Colorado at home before the PAC 12 title game. Yep. So there you go. So, so, I have to believe that USC's last game of the year is who? Because they play UCLA this week, and then who's left? Uh, that's it. This is their last game. So they need the only way Utah. I'm not going to a bowl game. <laughs> right, but I'm, right, so I'm saying so if Utah, because I agree with Scott, I, I, I believe Utah beats Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game and punches their ticket. They, I think Utah has the best defense in college football. They're an, they're an SEC defense in the Pac-12, and people don't watch them, yep. and it's sad, but they are no. an SEC defense. 
the SEC defense. If if USC stumbles and bumbles and loses to UCLA, Utah's not getting in the Final Four, no matter what they do. That mm-hmm. that will diminish that. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> so so, so I, I believe um, when it's all said and done, just to put the closure on college football, um, I believe you're going to get Clemson. I believe you're going to get LSU. I believe you're going to go Ohio State. And I believe you're going to get Utah. That's my four. I believe those yep. are going to be your four. And I That's believe cool. that you're going to get um, you're going to get Ohio State playing Utah. You're going to get Clemson playing LSU. And I believe your final is going to be Clemson and Ohio State. That's what I have. Aaron, your thoughts. That is what you have. That is what you're sticking with. Yeah, I mean, like That's you said, um, USC beat uh, Utah. But what was that the only game they lost? It's the only Utah? game they lost, and Utah's best player running back, Zach Moss, was hurt. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I – like I had mentioned earlier, it pains me to give props to any other Pac-12 team, but uh, Utah is the team that sort of is a problem for every other team. And it'll be interesting to see how the Pac-12, you know, uh, lines up with other conferences and stuff. But, uh, you know, you got to give them the respect they deserve. It's, you know, even though USC beat them, um, they're a contender for sure. And as a conference fan, you should be rooting for them because it's the best chance your conference has of getting into the playoff. And it makes us look good, um, yeah. obviously, as a – yeah, for sure. So, you know, yeah, of course. And it helps – I'll tell you what. It helps, Brandon. It helps you, uh, Utah's resume, the fact that USC is now ranked again. And if they beat yeah. UCLA, they'll be 8-4. Yeah. and four. Maybe they climb up to number 20 in the rankings. It helps them yeah. if USC finishes the year in the top 20. That's a, and, that's and a big game. factor. And the game yep. is at USC. All right, well, let's transition over to the NFL. And Aaron, I want to start with you. When you look at where we are right now at the end of the third quarter of the NFL season, believe it or not, in week 12, uh, who's really jumping out at you as maybe separating themselves from the pack or or playing better than, than anybody else right now? Obviously, we could talk about the Ravens, Lamar Jackson. I am not going to talk about the Ravens because everybody's talking about the Ravens, and they're a fun team to watch. I mean, I love watching what Lamar Jackson does as a freaking running back. I mean, he is a running back with an arm. It is awesome to watch. I'm not going to tell you about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, though, because I'm going to give you a name or a team that you might not be thinking about, but in my opinion, they're an interesting team because the Bills and what we're seeing from Josh Allen the last couple of weeks or the last three weeks even, um, has been incredibly promising. And I know, of course, obviously, they have the Patriots in that division, but let's not forget about how damn good that defense is and how multidimensional Josh Allen is, obviously, on the ground and through the air. And that connection just seems to be getting stronger with his number one target in John Brown. So, you know, they have a tough matchup with the Broncos uh, this week. I think the Broncos have probably the fifth best pass D, but here's why the Bills are going to win and cover. The Broncos got absolutely manhandled in the second half uh, against the Vikings last week. And I do believe that Josh Allen is going to continue to do what he does this season, especially like we've seen the last couple of games. However, keep in mind, the Bills do have a tough schedule moving forward. They have Dallas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and New England. So I think right now they're, I want to say seven and three, that record could change, but 
they're a team to watch out for. And I don't think that, I think they're a little bit under the radar. They're not the sexy 49ers. They're not the sexy Patriots, but they're a team to watch out, especially in the playoffs, because I think that type of team will thrive in a playoff type game. Well, it's the battle of the Allens there. That's right. uh, in Buffalo, Brandon Allen and Josh Allen. And, and how about this for the Broncos? They are a couple of calls or plays away from being a completely different team this year. They're three and seven, right? But think about all of their losses, Aaron. And you go back to even, you know, early on in that loss against the Bears, where it was the 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 passing the uh, roughing the passer call that really shouldn't have been. Uh, they lose a late one to the Jaguars. They lose to the Colts late late. And last week they had this lead against the Vikings. This is a team that is three and seven, but we could be talking about as maybe being seven and three if a couple of things went their way. So it's just been the the good and the bad for the Broncos this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, they have gone through quite a few um, hurdles or adversity, if you will. Brandon Allen now in, you know, for Joe Flacco. But, you know, you got to wonder, how does he make that team different or better, if you will? He doesn't really tend to pass to his running backs as much as Flacco did. But, yeah, I mean, you're seeing the connection with Cortland Sutton or even Noah Fant. Um, I just think that Broncos defense um, needs to play better. They don't really have a lot of takeaways. Uh, I want to say they have only like maybe nine, um, but yeah, they're, they're a team that is to, you know, a team that's always going to be a competitive team on, on Sunday. Uh, I just don't think their, their, their season is, is, is lost so far. So, uh, you know, but keep an eye on Josh Allen. I think he's going to tear apart that Broncos defense. All right. So Aaron going with the bills at home laying four against the Broncos. What do you think about that, Brandon? You know, I was impressed with with Buffalo's offenses explosion last week at Miami. That was uh, that was pretty impressive, considering how their offense has been kind of up and down. For me, I don't know how these teams are going to reach the total. I, I don't. I like what I saw from Denver's defense last week. Their their defense continues to show up. Um, Buffalo's gone under the post a total nine of their last thirteen overall. I'm going to go with the under in this game. I believe Buffalo is the right side, uh, but I'm going to play under. Also, uh, again, Fangio having a little bit of a problem with answering questions all week about how he how he let that slip away last week. How did he blow a 20 nothing lead? Unbelievable. So I can't stand Kirk Cousins. He's another one I'd whack upside the head if I could see him in a, in a shopping mall. If he was in a shopping mall and he was like kind of walking, I'd like one of those kids who walks up and kind of like clicks your ear. And, you know, yeah, you used to do French play. I, I would, I'd just walk up and smack him. What, what was, what did he say? You like that? You like that? You that like that? Yeah. You like that? That's what I would do. I'd smack him up and say, you like that? You like that? <laughs> well, you like this, Brandon? The Atlanta Falcons break them up. They've won two straight. Defensively, they look like they've corrected a lot of mistakes. They welcome in a turnover machine in Jameis Winston and the Bucks, who haven't covered in months. I think Atlanta's the right side here, even if they're laying over a field goal. Bro, just keep riding the Falcons. They figured, <laughs> like I said, people, I had a lot of people text me and say, dude, that was one of the best calls of the year. And I just said it was easy. You don't, you don't come out of your bye week. Go into New Orleans. Hold Drew Brees and Sean Payton without a touchdown for the first time in their history together since they became quarterback and head coach. That tandem had never not scored at least one touchdown in a game in New Orleans. There was no way after you do that, 
to Drew Brees and Sean Payton in New Orleans that a week later you're going to roll into Carolina against some kid named Kyle Allen and not shut him down. It was a gift. I wish I'd have put more money on it. It was Mm. just one of those games where I'm sitting here watching it going, oh, my God, this was a lottery ticket winner. This was was – but then do you see with the Bucks Because, you know, Jameis Winston's kind of the same. Sorry, I know he's not Kyle Allen, but he throws interceptions like him. Yeah, I listen, every Aaron, every once in a while, you, you get a team that just can't get out of their own way. I know Bruce Arians has defended him and is trying to do as many right things as he can with him. But I, I think Bruce Arians knows and has already told upper management, we, we have to move away from this kid. We just do. I can't. I can't. I know I'm a quarterback guru. But this is a Tampa Bay team that has no covers their last six games this year. So every once in a while, you just it, it kind of falls in line with the Chargers. The Chargers figure out ways not, how not to cover more than they figure yeah. out how to cover. And so I think without question, the right side of the game is Atlanta. All right, let's roll on here. And another game that I'm picking out, call me crazy. And I'm waiting for you to call me crazy. I like the Jets at home against the Raiders. I I think that ever since Sam Darnold went into Adam Gaze's office and said, dude, I'm not comfortable with your playbook, and they kind of dumbed it down for him, this Jets offense has actually looked good the past couple of weeks. Raiders, West Coast team, traveling east, 1 o'clock Eastern time game, in the rain, at the Meadowlands. I kind of like the Jets as the home dog here. Aaron, your West Coast team, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's a good play. Um, You know, the Raiders have a soft defense. Uh, Like you mentioned, going across the country is never uh, an ideal situation for a West Coast team. Um, But uh, Le'Veon Bell did come off his lowest snap share. Um, And in some way, even though Ryan Griffin's been playing all right, they did play the Redskins, so I don't think – we're seeing what the Jets really are um, as far as, you know, them being great. I think they've just had an easier schedule and they will have a continued easy schedule because after the Raiders, they have Cincy and Miami. So yeah. Do I think that they'll cover against the Raiders? Yes. But I don't think uh, you should think that the Jets are as good as they looked on paper the last week. I, 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 I know you are. I, I tend to agree with that from the standpoint that if there are flat spots in the NFL, and the Raiders were in that flat spot. And I believe people are jumping on the Jets here off the Raiders' dismal effort last week and struggling to beat a winless Bengals team. And I get it, but I, I will not touch that Jets-Oakland game. A part of me wants to see the Raiders get beat because I had a couple of buddies who, who bet the Raiders last week and, 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 and lost money. And I'm very vindictive when you cost my friends money. That to me, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the most interesting games on the card because of, of how sluggish the Raiders were last week. Aaron, you make a great point that that Raiders secondary can be had. And with the way Darnold's throwing the football, that their defense is going to have to show up. But I, I always say this, tread lightly with Sam Darnold because he does have a, a, a habit of throwing picks. You know me, you, listen, yeah, we just talked about it. You know me and interceptions. I can't stand them. They drive me crazy. So I try to stay away from quarterbacks who have a habit of throwing them. I learned a very hard lesson with Phillip Rivers Monday night. I'm done. 
with quarterbacks who have a history of throwing picks. Well, well, here's a game that I already bet on, and the line has actually moved down as I expected it to, which is why I bet it on Monday. The Seahawks underdogs in Philadelphia. I got it at two and a half. I actually bought a point to make it three and a half. It's now down to one. I don't see any way this isn't a pick 'em by kickoff. Maybe even the Seahawks at favorite. How in the world is Seattle an underdog against this Eagles team? I don't get it. Well, they're ten and one. Their last eleven as a dog. They're five and zero oh on the road this year. Right side of the game. Russell Wilson getting points. Simple as that. Um, albeit it's just one. You hope it stays there. Um, Eagles offense is just banged up. That's all there is. Their offensive line banged up. Their Jeffries is out. Sean Jackson's out. It just sometimes the season's not meant to be, um, and it's a shame because they probably should have beat the Patriots as well as their defense played. So, yep. um, and now to get right back up, I know you're kind of playing for your season, but listen, I think deep down, everyone knows in Philadelphia and in that locker room, there's no way Dak Prescott's going into New England and beating New England. Just not going to happen. If you can't go on the road and beat the Jets, you're not going on the road and beating Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. I'm sorry. Dak Prescott's not good enough to, 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 to exploit that New England defense. Jason Garrett is not a good coach, not a good enough coach, nor is Kellen Moore a good enough offensive coordinator for me to trust Dak Prescott going in here I think he's going to cost himself about $20 million, and I think the Patriots blow the Cowboys out. I think it's one of those games where the Patriots make a statement. Um, and so deep down, I think Philadelphia knows even if we lose this game, it's still going to work its way to that last game of the year, Philadelphia and Dallas. That's an interesting take um, because, well, first I'll start with the Cowboys because uh, – you know, there's a lot of the theme this week was, ooh, what kind of Patriots offense are we going to see? You know, they're struggling for the first time. They haven't put together a great offensive performance for the first time since 2001. He's been just not great, um, Tom Brady, uh, in terms of their offense. So people are just wondering, can they put up the points to keep up with the Cowboys? Um, but like you said, they are at home and Bill Belichick is just one of the if not the brightest mind in in all of the his, history of football, um, it just will be hard to see Dak Prescott and company um, take advantage of that defense. That's very difficult, especially at Gillette. Now, when it comes to the Eagles and the Seahawks, um, here's what I think it, just the problem is, you know, Philly just doesn't score a lot. They kind of have trouble scoring and the Seahawks, um do not they're you know they can put up points and even though the eagles d line is is great they can be picked apart in their secondary um so i feel like i i do feel comfortable even though it is an east coast game at 10 a.m um and like you had said brandon the seahawks are undefeated on the road this season i say the seahawks win by six i love it i love it because i'm already yeah, on they're, they're- yeah, they're on the, the Seattle's the right side of the game. Um, and the last thing I'll just say about about Dallas and New England, um, Dallas was down twenty four seven to Sam Darnold and Jets. That was the first game back for Sam Darnold. You look at the defenses that New England's played the last few weeks. Jeff Driscoll and the Detroit Lions put up twenty seven points on the Lions defense. Dallas struggled to pull away late from the Detroit Lions. Um, this is New England in Foxborough. That offense is due for a breakout game. You know, I talk about coaches' stupidity. Jason Garrett coaches stupid under pressure. 
Um, second and uh, Minnesota, Sunday night, second and two from the 11, two minutes to go. Minnesota's got three timeouts, and you run it twice to use the clock. Why? They have three timeouts. They're going to stop the clock anyway. You threw to get down there. Just keep throwing. Whether Garrett went to Kellen Moore and said, run the ball, use the clock right here. Who cares who said what, he, she, why, why, you, you, me, me. And then on fourth down, your play call. Talk about coaching dumb. Maybe I go to Amari. Maybe I go to Witten. No, let me go to Zeke in the flat, guarded by their best cover linebacker. Well done, Dallas. Well done. Patriots at home laying less than seven any time on the planet Earth is the right side of the game. Simple as that. Sunday night, we have a good one. Packers and 49ers. 49ers laying three against Aaron Rodgers and company. Aaron, I'll let you go first, but I think this game's a gift. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, I think, you know, keep an eye on D4 being out because that's an important pass rusher that's going to keep Aaron Rodgers sort of unbalanced. Um, You know, look, 49ers at home. I know the storyline is the Niners have been amazing, but they are banged up. And we saw a lot of injuries with Sanders leaving. Kittle hasn't been playing. Breida, you know, questionable. Debo. So, you know, I think for me to feel really comfortable, I need to see the injury report um, for even tomorrow to know who, you know, Friday to see who is going to, you know, really be likely um, to play. But it's Aaron Rodgers up against the number one pass defense. In my opinion, I like the Niners. I like them at home. I covered them back in the day. And Jimmy G coming off a game that he had four touchdown passes I say he could do that again against, even though, uh, you know, the Packers have been pretty good, their defense this season, they can be um, exploited. I see Jimmy G, um, you know, depending on if he gets his weapons, uh, the full complement of his weapons back. Hopefully we we see Kittle back, but um, I say the Niners. Okay. Here's the San Francisco 49ers quarterback rotation of quarterbacks they played this year when they were eight and oh Jameis Winston Andy Dalton Mason Rudolph Baker Mayfield Jared Jared Goff Case Keen uh, Dwayne Haskins Kyle Allen Tyler Murray the first quarterback <laughs> they saw of an elite level Russell Wilson, they lose 27-24. Murray lights them up last week. I think we all can agree this is probably a game they probably should have lost, and they got themselves a win. Now they're facing Mm -hmm. a Hall of Fame quarterback and a real team out of their bye week. Their next two games at Baltimore, at New Orleans. They've had one of the weakest schedules in the NFL. The reason why I took Seattle to give them their first loss of the year. I, I like what Kyle Shanahan's doing. I like the momentum they have. But they're about to go 0-3 their next three weeks because they're not winning on Sunday. They're not good enough to beat Aaron Rodgers. After I saw Kyler Murray go up and down the field on them last week, and they sure as hell aren't going to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens, and they sure as hell aren't going to beat the Saints and Drew Brees in New Orleans. So they're going to be sitting there at 9-4, and four, still feeling pretty good about life with Atlanta, L.A., and then at Seattle to close out the year. Soft schedules uh, make us feel a team is better than they are, 
I don't think the Niners are, as Denny Green said, they are who we thought they were. Well, for me, they're a good football team, but you give me Aaron Rodgers plus three and a half with a week off coming in to face that defense that I watched Kyler Murray go up and down the field on, uh, I'm going to go to war with, with A-Rod and the 70s porn star mustache. I love it. <laughs> uh, discount, double check that all night. Uh, any other game before we wrap it up, Brandon, that stands out to you? The most intriguing game to me now is is the Monday night game, simply because the line opened up, and Aaron, you can throw your thoughts here, the line opened up, the Rams minus one. The entire world is now buying the, 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 the Lamar Jackson hype and has pushed this line to the Ravens minus three. We have a four-point Monday night line move where the initial favorite is now the dog. Historically speaking, that's doomsday for people who are on the Ravens. I, yep. listen, I love the Ravens getting points in this game, but now I'm setting back going, Wade Phillips, extra day to prepare, everybody's the, the flavor of the month. You eat too much of the flavor of the month. Guess what? You got to take a break and go to a different ice cream. I know when I go Baskin Robbins, I can't get pralines and cream all the time. I got to take a break and get something else. And I think everybody's going to take a dip of that Baltimore Raven and, and they're going to get burned on Monday night. Yeah, that's tough. Um, Cause I think I am part of partly on that Ravens train. <laughs> um, as we were talking earlier, I just think uh, Lamar Jackson is such a dynamic player. He is a running back with a damn arm. He has not, he hasn't really seen a defense that's been able to figure him out because he can throw the ball. He can run the damn ball. Do I think the Rams defense um, is capable of keeping you know, Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and, you know, even Gus Edwards and Mark Ingram in check. I don't think so. Um, so I, I'm going to disagree, actually. I think that the Ravens do end up covering against this Rams team that really hasn't been able to put up a lot of points uh, this season. So we'll have to see how it plays out. And primetime unders have been the flavor of the year so far. So maybe that under 46 might be something to take a look at there on Monday night. Uh, Aaron, this was fun. I hope you had a good time. I hope we didn't scare you away. This this no. was a really good time today. I love no. football. So thank you guys for having me. <laughs> she listened, no she's part of the podcast. First time I ever met her was, was Radio Row. She had on my number one look that I love more than life itself. Jeans tucked into the boots. She's a winner <laughs> in my book. Glad to have her part of the podcast. For Aaron Coscarelli, I'm Scott Seidenberg. Be sure to check out BrandonLang.com for you got a big play up there this weekend, brother. Yep, big as it gets. 200 dime around Saturday in college football. Doesn't get much bigger than that. We'll be sure to check that out. Until next week, we'll talk to you right here on the Sharp Edge. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.